Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Kick and chase by Mullen. Kick and chase again by Mullen. Welcome back to the Racing and Sports Punters Pod, where we wield the willow in our unwavering quest to win wads of wagering wealth. Jimmy Buckley with you on this Friday, November the 4th, as we prepare for the final round of group matches in what's been a topsy-turvy T20 Cricket World Cup, which has been waylaid by weather, but we remain hopeful the rain will stay away for the next week or so. And we're certainly not letting that stop us here on the Punter's Pod, alongside my trusty colleague, Ken Rutherford, the first of two former international captains we'll be speaking with today. Welcome, Ken. Yeah, looking forward to the podcast, James. I'm looking forward to this weekend's, uh, well, in many ways, are quarterfinals, aren't they, under T20? There's uh, a lot riding on it for a lot of uh, teams. And uh, look, we'll talk to our guest very shortly, who was commentating in the last night's game between Pakistan and South Africa, James. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a potentially important result there. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Now, as we know, Ken, you've been absolutely on fire inviting guests onto the podcast throughout the duration of this World Cup. And joining us today is a man who played 96 test matches for his country, scoring 5,764 runs in the process with a top score of 207. But my favourite stat is this. According to Crick Info, when taking over as English captain in 1999, he became the most articulate man to hold that lofty honour since Mike Brearley some 20 years earlier. I speak of none other than the great Nasser Hussain. Welcome, Nasser. Good morning, lads. How are we? Thanks for ringing me at 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever, and waking me up after I got to bed at 2 o'clock last night for a South Africa-Pakistan game. Appreciate that. Thanks uh, a lot. Any time you can rely on us for, for, to disturb your daily or morning rituals, uh, Nasser. Very articulate start, by the way, sir. Very articulate. Goodness me. We have to get someone to crick in for to rewrite that. I mean, the game last night. I wrote that myself. The game last night. Let's start in the, in the, in the most recent. Gee, the, the term you use, as the teams went in at half time, the Pakistanis walked off the field at half time. Was gee, that's been a fun twenty overs, and it really was. It sort of summed up a twenty twenty cricket, which I love. It, it is fun, and it sort of summed up Pakistan cricket. Could you imagine being a Pakistan cricket fan, not only in this tournament but over the last decade or so? You know, they lose to India by one run. Then they lose to Zimbabwe by one run. Then they're virtually out of the comp. Then they're 40 for four yesterday. And their middle order haven't scored runs for, for a long time. And then they just smash it everywhere. And then it got wet and there were drop catches and people <laughs> slidey all over the place. It was so much fun. And obviously there was a massive Pakistan contingent mm. in. The fans were going ballistic. Um, it really was. You know, sometimes when you're commentating or working, you feel like this is what it's all about. Those 20 overs was what it was all about. Um, it's been a really good tournament, even with a little bit of weather that we've had around. It's been a really good tournament. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Shadab Khan can play, can't he? I mean, some of the shot making was just out of an, on another planet. It is all these guys now and girls actually. They can all play. I mean, they can they can hit the ball seriously hard. Um, you know, Shadab hadn't got many runs in the mm. tournament. Um, and he'd been bowling beautifully. So it was a little bit last chance saloon for Pakistan. 
Um, but he came in and they just strike the ball so cleanly now. And, and Ken will tell you, you know, when you're, when you're in that sort of um, in the ground and you're mm. out on pitch side and you can just hear the noise of an off a bat and you don't really have to look. Once you hear that noise, you know it's a batter actually when you've plinked it and it's not going out of the inner circle. When you hear the sort of middle of the bat noise, uh, you know it's going out of the ground. And, and him and Iftikhar, it was just reverberating around the SCG. Um, it was a pretty good pitch, even with all the rain. I think with the rain actually helped the pitch. It skidded on. It was a used surface. Uh, and the South Africans struggled a bit in the field. And and history, you know, uh, 92 SCG were against mm. England in the semi-final where they came off and they needed one from 22 from one delivery. Um, history seemed to be repeating itself with Douglas Lewis Stern as well last night. What do you make of the tournament so far, Nessa? I mean, some comments perhaps, first of all, on some of the so-called minnows of the competition who had to go through the preliminary stages. They seem to have acquitted themselves quite well. Yeah, I think the gap is decreasing. I think some of the other sides, obviously, you know, West Indies having lost that generation of great T20 cricketers as well are in a rebuilding phase for their T20 cricket. So they definitely went um, without Pollard, without Andre Russell, without Gale, without Narain. So they went back to the pack a little bit. But also, like Zimbabwe, we'd have played a long time you know, against Zimbabwe when they were you know, serious top draw right at the top cricket nation. With the side they had, we never took them seriously in our era. And they're getting back towards that now with all the problems they've had on and off the field. And also the format, really. You know, 2020 cricket, the shorter the format, you only need one or two guys to excel and have a good day. And then you're in a bit of trouble. So um, that's why I enjoy it. You can, you know, even England. You look at England, Calcutta, all those years ago, Ben Stokes, they're winning the game, winning the final. Stokes bowls four deliveries. Brathway hits it out of the ground and you're out and you lost. <laughs> so it is one of those formats that you better get it right for 40 overs otherwise a surprise can be strung on you pretty sharpish absolutely Ken. now while we're on pakistan and group b state of play at the moment is that india and south africa hold those top two spots and pakistan unfortunately are potentially just out of reaching distance now south africa play the netherlands zimbabwe run into India and Pakistan play Bangladesh. Now, the only way really, barring some kind of weather, for Pakistan to qualify here is that they'll need to beat Bangladesh and either the Netherlands will need to beat South Africa or Zimbabwe will need to beat India. NASA, is there any chance at all, in your opinion, of some kind of upset to play out here? Uh, Like I just said, you just never know in this format, really. You think not, but you just never know. I mean, the first thing Pakistan have got to do is beat Bangladesh. As we saw Bangladesh-India night before last, you know, that could have gone in any direction before the rain came Mm. in Adelaide. So you just, Pakistan can't be bothering about what's happening in the India game or the South Africa game. Um, You know, South Africa, they should be absolutely fine against the Netherlands and India should beat Zimbabwe. Um... But Pakistan have just got to win their game. And then, you know, I'd say 90% chance that the four semi-finalists will be New Zealand. It hurts me to say that. New Zealand, England, <laughs> uh, South Africa and India. But these last round, these last uh, few games, so much net run rate. You know, England and Australia will be looking at the net run rate situation. Mm. There's so much going on in the last uh, couple of days of this group stages. 
Yeah, it's going to be fascinating tonight, isn't it, to see what happens in the Australian-Afghanistan uh, match in terms of the of the Australians' approach, I guess. They're, they're going to have to win, obviously, but they're going to have to win well, aren't they, to, to improve their net run rate? They are, and England have the advantage, the slight advantage. Mm. Obviously, they play tomorrow here in Sydney, and uh, they will know what exactly they need to do. So if Afghanistan win, if Australia win and win well, that will affect their net run rate, and then England tomorrow will also have to win, uh, and win, and, and they'll know the net run rate situation. The only thing for England, like last night I was at the FCG, I didn't see another uh, pitch cut, another no. script cut. So mm. it could be a used, used pitch for this Sri Lanka game, and mm. we all know Sri Lanka with Tikshana and you know Hasaranga and Dananjaya, you know. The, their spin threat is massive, so um, England shouldn't take Sri Lanka lightly either. No, they won't mind that at all, the Sri Lankans. Now, just a few comments, Nessa, around the state of English cricket as a whole. It's been, well, it's been quite the transformation with the young fella from South Dunedin in charge of your test side now, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, seriously, we, uh, <laughs> you know, we just get 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 the Kiwi over to solve all our test match problems, to be honest. Basball has just been a huge success for <laughs> The moment he was, I think we'd won one out of our last 18 tests mm. or something. The wheels were coming off. we just lost the Ashes. It was all doom and gloom in English cricket. And then, uh, firstly, they put that, you know, put Rob Key in charge of English mm. cricket. My old mate, Keezy, suddenly is in charge of the whole of English cricket. Uh, and everyone was presuming he'd just go, I don't know, Ponting or Gary Kirsten or someone like that. And Brendan McCullum would get the white ball gig. But no, he... Left field, Brendan McCullum, you are now our test match coach. And they have not looked back. I mm. mean, Stokes as captain, McCullum, some of the cricket this summer that we witnessed. You know, they lost the first game against South Africa. And everyone thought they were a bit reckless with the batting. And Brendan McCullum did an interview saying, no, they weren't. They didn't go hard enough. They should have gone hard enough. They should have, they should have teed off every ball. So they just, just every single test match, you know, uh, where were we? Trent Bridge and Bairstow and Stokes smashing it. Mm. I think they smashed them like 150 in 25 overs of a test match after tea. It was unbelievable to watch. I mean, the bowling they've still got in England, um, you know, with, with Broad and Anderson and, and all the bowlers they've got. But the batting was a concern. Um, McCullen has come in and absolutely transformed the mindset, really. It's amazing in sport what you can do if you transform the mindset of a sporting person and, and take that fear, it's so, so much, so easier said than done. If you try and take away that fear of failure that all us professional sportsmen know about, if you can take that away, you, you just express yourself so much better. And I think that's what McCullum and Stokes has done for English cricket. He has that Pied Piper-esque attitude, doesn't he, uh, Brendan? He sort of he sets out some very basic plans and, and just has that air of positivity. I, I guess... If you're going to look at it coldly, is, is it a short-term bounce, do you think, or, is, or does it have some legs? That's a very, very good question. Uh, and I'll tell you at the end of the ashes next summer. <laughs> um, you know, it, it is a very good question. I think, I think the mindset is more important. That I think one thing that they have done, and I, I am guilty of it in the commentary box, is that we overanalyze and we over-discuss technique and, yeah. and, and, and where your head is and where your bat face is and, you know, wrist position and all that sort of stuff. What Brendan has done very well with Ben Stokes is strip all that away uh, and just focus in on, on why you first started playing the game. So I think 
that will take you so far. In the end, you still need your Joe Roots and your class players. You know, you see what Virat Kohli's done in this World Cup. You still need that class about you when you're coming up against Hayeswood, Cummins, Stark, Lyon or whoever in an Ashes series at home and the Dukes ball is moving around. You can't just be teeing off. You need to have that, but you need to be smart and technically sound as well. So that will come. Um, we've got Pakistan coming up a tour in about three weeks' time, and that will be a different style of cricket completely. Uh, and, you know, as Ken will tell you, that um, you need you need to be able to adapt to your surroundings and conditions. So um, hopefully the England batting lineup can do that. But what, it was brilliant to watch what they did this summer. And just quickly, NASA, while we're on the topic of Antipodeans holding senior coaching positions in English cricket, uh, what was your opinion of the signing of Matthew Mott uh, earlier this year to take over the white ball team? Uh-huh. He's done a magnificent job with the Australian women's side for a long time. He has, and it was another good choice by Rob Keogh. I think they knew each other through from Kent or something, and, and um, I, I spoke to Matthew a few times out here, out in New Zealand, actually, for the women's. World Cup that we've just had the, the 50 over version and he just he just struck me immediately as a very very sensible um, good guy for an Aussie to be honest um, he, <laughs> he you know he, he, that, that was a difficult game because Australia were playing really good cricket women's cricket they'd lost the, the semi-final in the World Cup to India at Derby and he came in and transformed them I think they lost one in 30 games or something and, and they went on that run and they ended up what they're 50 over champions 20 over champions uh, uh, and they're you know probably one of the best sporting sides there is out there in any sport and Matthew Mott needs to take a lot of credit and quite a hard gig that actually because the white ball stuff was going really well for England so they you know Morgan and Bayless is quite a difficult act to follow after winning that 50 over World Cup um, but I think Butler and Mott, as we are seen, after walloping New Zealand again at, uh, <clears throat> at Brisbane the other night, I think they're back on track with, with the white ball stuff as well. Yeah, there's not too many, um, no weaknesses in your T20 side at the moment, NASA, does it? I mean, the squad is a awesomely strong one. And the, and the 11 you pick, you've got so many choices. I mean, you've got batsmen galore. You could... I see Mo and Ali bat at three. The other the other night, he could bat in the middle order. He could move Stokes up to three. Darvin Milan can open the batting. There's, there's so many choices, isn't there? There are, yeah. I mean, the depth in our white ball cricket, which is not quite there. You're going back to your question earlier about you know depth, mm. about the test matches. and uh, There's not that much depth in the batting in, in red ball cricket. Maybe you could argue, without getting too deep, this podcast will last for like five five weeks if we did it about the mm. demise of red ball batting and the emergence of white ball batting but in England definitely you know the white ball white ball stuff there's a lad called Duckett that has played brilliantly for England mm. recently he, he will be in the next World Cup 50 overside in India definitely the way he plays spin and sweeps and reverse sweeps he's not even in the squad here for this so um, especially in the batting there's so much depth and that order those seven batters you could have Livingston at seven or the other night, if it's going really well, you could move David Milan down. Um, so, yeah, listen, and now now you're getting to the business end of this tournament. You know anyone can beat anyone. You know, New Zealand for a long time the other night, were when Phillips was smashing it everywhere, what a cricketer he is, by yes. the way, mm. um, and what an athlete he is. Crikey. Mm. Um, so anyone now, like I say, now you've got to get somehow to a mindset that we can't have a, a bad over. You know, New Zealand beat us in a semi-final in the last World T20 in Abu Dhabi uh, where Mitchell hit Jordan to 17 in an over. 
uh, and that puts an end to your tournament. So it's a really interesting, intriguing tournament, actually, and that's why I like it. You can play a lot of good cricket, and you just have one bad over, and that's it. You're done and dusted. So it is guarding against that, that bad 10 minutes of cricket. So the prediction is, uh, James, it's England versus New Zealand final uh, next <laughs> in about eight days' time. Uh, New Zealand will win. Uh, we'll have Nasser on just after that game to go, you know, to, at six in the morning. To talk or about something. the yeah, six in the morning at least. Uh, we'll go over the aftermath of the game. But on more important matters, as an Arsenal supporter, Nasser, you must be absolutely ecstatic with the change of fortune of the Gunners. I can't believe you didn't start with this subject. You know. Don't worry about my Crick Info quote or whatever quote you came up with or the T20 World Cup. Arsenal, they got through. They're top of the Europa League. They won. I stayed up last night yeah. watching that. They won 1-0. Back to the good old days of Arsenal. 1-0 to the Arsenal. Mm. And they're top of the league as well, the Premier League. So um, I'm loving life at the moment um, here in Oz, just catching up. I do the cricket and then rush back to my room. Um, in the old days, I used to be shouting at the Arsenal on the telly. Now I'm cheering on every goal. So <clears throat> it's 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 great to see. Um, I love my football. Um, my lad's an Arsenal fan, so he's constantly, <clears throat> excuse me, he's constantly on the phone to me about them. Um, they're flying high at the top of the league. Won't last though. City will win it. You heard it here first, but at the moment, while they're there, we'll enjoy it. Well, obviously they won't last either. To be honest, I'm a, a long-time <laughs> Man United supporter, and don't. Don't say ah, I jumped on any bandwagon, yes, and I didn't. Sorry, I didn't. I've lost you. I've lost the line. Sorry. <laughs> and, and James is a, is a long-time Leeds United supporter. Uh, so uh, uh, now I've got a bit more. Of, I've got a bit more of a soft spot for Leeds. So don't tell anyone. But I used to be a Leeds fan when I was when I was younger. But I get a lot of abuse in England for switching allegiances <laughs> from Leeds to Arsenal. How can you do that? How, how can you switch uh, allegiances but... from one side to the other? Huh? <laughs> You know when you're saying something and you say, I really should not have said that. Yeah, loud, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. No, I, I've never forgiven the Arsenal for 1979 FA Cup final, Nessa, getting up in uh, 3 o'clock in the morning New Zealand time as a 79er would have been 14 years of age to watch Man United Arsenal in the final. United were down 2-0 the whole game to the 80th minute, then Sammy McElroy and Gordon McQueen scored two late goals for United. Thinking about extra time, Last kick of the game, Liam Brady to the left-hand side, crossed the ball into the far post, over Gary Bailey's head, and in comes the curly-headed afro of Alan Sunderland at the back post. <laughs> Probably his only headed goal ever. 3-2 Arsenal. Good night, nurse. Oh, That's probably better commentary than, than on the moment itself, to be honest. To be honest, I haven't heard of half those players. You, you're a slightly different <laughs> era for me, so... <laughs> uh, we love our football here, we really do, and uh, looking forward to the World Cup. I should give Holland a bit of a chance at the World Cup, but uh, let's let's hope England go well, Nasser, eh? What are your thoughts on England? I, I think so. I think you look at the players they, that they have, the, there's much more talent in that squad. It used to, England, you know, it used to be a little bit of a, an OK team, but you look at the quality of like a, a Foden or a, you know, a Sterling and people like that, they've, they've definitely got much more talent. You know, who knows in a, in a World Cup? You just hope that people aren't exhausted because I think they've only got like two weeks off before the Premier League breaks and then they're into it and you just hope no one gets injured in this last round of Premier League games, to be honest. I'm sounding now like, you know, um, Gary Neville here on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere between Neville and Carragher talking about the the World Cup football. I'm just trying to concentrate on the World Cup cricket. I'm trying to do my prep on England-Sri Lanka for tomorrow night, to be honest. 
Like you'll end up on match of the day at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway, look, NASA, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate you taking a, a couple of moments to join us here on the Racing and Sports Punters pod. We certainly hope you enjoy the remainder of the T20 World Cup, and we hope also those roadworks aren't too distracting up in Sydney. <laughs> right outside my hotel room now. <laughs> it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure be, being on. Um, here's to a, a New Zealand... England final um, and Ian Smith calling it in the magical way that he called that 50 over final at all. Yes, let's hope the, the result is slightly different, uh, Mr. Hussain, <laughs> but uh, hey, really enjoyed it. Great stuff, Ness. Appreciate it. Cheers, lad. Great bloke, Ken. Nasser Hussain. Yeah, hell of a record, wasn't it? When you, you read out 96 test matches, didn't realise he played that many. He had the great era with uh, Duncan Fletcher as the coach when Fletch came in and, and really added a bit of steel to to the team. Um, we changed the fortunes, I think, of, of English cricket. They'd gone through some pretty average times, I think that's fair to say, but when he joined forces with uh, Fletcher, things changed. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's comments when you when you hear him commentate on the on the television with the likes of Atherton and Smithy and Dawley and a few others, they really know their stuff. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to see how, you know, he can talk articulately and, you know, Communicate well, and uh, it's 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 something for someone who played the game. You, you listen and you learn something from a guy like that, and um, I'm sure we learned something today. And albeit he's an Arsenal supporter, <laughs> I'm just loving that Arsenal man you rivalry coming back uh, oh, to yes. the fore. It's what we love to see. I mean, you did mention that that '79 FA Cup final, but mm. let's not forget uh, was it maybe 2002, 2003, where I think United broke Arsenal's 49 match unbeaten run potentially. Mm, and, I, and I think it led to some pizza thrown at Sir Alex in the tunnel. It was a great game. We went around that era when yeah. you know, Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane just uh, <laughs> kicked themselves to bits. But uh, no, it was a great rivalry there and there's that tribalism which we see here in Australia in the NRL and AFL and things like that. But in, in the English Premier League and English football in general, it's... Uh, at a whole new level. I was reading last week, James, just to go on a whole different uh, tangent. It was the Devon Derby last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Plymouth versus Exodus City. Exodus, and it was a good game too. Was it? What was the final yeah. score? One, Plymouth, one. Plymouth won. Plymouth won. I think you'll find Plymouth won. But it may have been, I'll have to check this, but I think it was a high scoring affair. Right. Uh, possibly even 4-2 from memory. I would need to check that. Yeah. Uh, but Plymouth They've extended their lead at the top of League One. They are absolutely flying the Pilgrims. They are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Good pretty to sure, see. I'm pretty sure a Kiwi called Rory Fallon played for them years ago. I'm yeah. pretty sure he did. Yeah. Well, there you go. Good town, Plymouth. I watched the 2019 AFL Grand Final at the Plymouth Casino at about 6am one morning. Did you? Yeah, brilliant. And then went to some kind of Oktoberfest celebration. So. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, good. Fond memories of Plymouth. Just quickly, Ken, of the remainder of these games... The final round of the pool games, uh, Ireland $6, New Zealand $1.12, Australia $1.08, Afghanistan $8, this is pool A of course, and Sri Lanka $4.50 to knock off England at $1.20, which the Aussies desperately need to happen. Just a quick one, Ken, with Australia going into a game against Afghanistan where not only do they need to win, but really they need to win incredibly well. Mm if they're going to turn that net run rate around, which is probably unlikely, but still, uh, presumably they go in with an ultra-aggressive mindset. Is there a way we can potentially attack that as punters? 
Mm, it's an interesting question. A dollar oh eight Australian head to head price. That's short enough, isn't it? Uh, they should beat Afghanistan, of course. It's a double headed tonight today, starting at three o'clock, with New Zealand Island game down there at Adelaide. Um, look, Warner Warner's due for a, for a, a big score. I'd suggest he's he's someone who who likes the sense of occasion, who could get amongst it. He's at three dollars and thirty cents to score with the most runs. I'm not sure. If Aaron Finch will play, is his hamstring good enough or not, James? Haven't heard the update there. I'm a bit of a Tim David fan. He's at $11 to score the, the most runs for Australia as well. Um, it's it's going to be hard for Australia, obviously, with the net run rate being the key. Um, but I, I don't. I, I shouldn't say this since we've had Nasser on the on, on the podcast, but I give Sri Lanka half a chance. They're at four fifty. England at around dollar twelve to a dollar fifteen. Let's see, look, dollar twenty actually. Um, as Nasser said, it's a used wicket at the SCG. As we all know, the SCG can take some turn. Look, in T20s, spinners don't normally play a, a huge part in it in terms of getting you know, a considerable turn and assistance from a pitch because obviously the pitch is reasonably fresh. But in this case, it's been well used. There's also one boundary there at the SCG. It's on the side of the of the square. It's a very small boundary. So um, I think there's an avenue there for Schlank to look at this game against England and... Um, have some confidence. I see, though, that Sri Lanka haven't been in England in a T20 international since 2014, so it's quite a few matches ago. But you'd think the dollar twelve about New Zealand, the dollar oh eight about Australia, and the dollar twenty about England is probably a fairly safe multi to take, albeit at uh, rather microscopic odds. I'd like to quickly just get your thoughts uh, on who wins the tournament from here. Now, one market has India as $3.50 and a favourite England $3.75, New Zealand $4.50, South Africa $4.50, and then the Aussies at $9.50, clearly needing to scrape into those semi-finals somehow. Uh, does that all sound about right to you? Yeah, it does. Look, I, 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 I'd like to say New Zealand, I just worry with New Zealand's rather conservative approach to the way they play, uh, and that's best illustrated by the captain, Kane Williamson, who just seems to take up too many deliveries with the majority of his innings these days. And it's all, all right to say, the, like the other night against England, you lose a few wickets early on. You've got to go through this period of consolidation. Well, do you? I mean, I think a, a, a term like consolidation uh, or an expression like restarting an innings is like old-style stuff, and... I think you've got to rely on the likes of your middle order to to, to show something and uh, to not protect your middle order. I mean, if you get bowled out cheaply, chasing a target as they could have done the other night in New Zealand, you get bowled out for 80, you still lose. If you get bowled out as we did for about 120, 130 or whatever it might have been, you still lose. So you're best off trying to score at a strike rate, which is going to give you the best chance to, to win the game. And I, I, just, I just worry about the captain's conservative approach, which is mirrored by the coach Gary Stead's approach as well. So if we play in India or someone like a South Africa in the semi-final, I'd be back on the other side, quite frankly. I think the 350, 375 price around, that market price around India is probably the right way to go. Yeah, they are. Jeez, I, I think I said it early on, but, but Virat Kohli, has got that look in his eye this tournament. He has, and they've got so many match winners. They've got guys in the top six who can all strike at about 150 strike rate. They've got fellas who can bowl, get wickets, bowl well, bowl sharply, swing the ball. They've got their spinners as well, obviously. So they seem to have all the bases covered, as they say, and uh, they are the favourites and worthy ones. Ken, thank you very much again for joining us here on the Punters Pod. We'll be back again next week. But until then, happy punting.